Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Perhaps you've heard someone say uh, some things like this. Why do you care so much about the Bible? It was written so long ago. Times have changed. What could the Bible possibly have to say to you and me today? Well, chances are that someone who says things like this probably hasn't actually read very much of the Bible at all. Because, in fact, when we read the Bible, especially uh, words that we just heard from the Gospel of Luke, we see that there is so much that is so very applicable to our lives today. With questions that, that we just read Jesus talking about, a, about a rich man, a very rich and a, a very poor man who was suffering greatly. And that raises questions about how we should live out our faith in society when there is such a great disparity between rich and poor and such need uh, for so many people. But especially it raises questions about what comes next after this life on earth is over. And how do we avoid suffering for all eternity in hell and instead go to heaven and enjoy the perfect bliss that God has prepared there? Confirmands, today you are making your promises of faithfulness before God and before your brothers and sisters in faith here in this congregation. Today you are publicly declaring that you are choosing life with Jesus rather than life without Jesus. And we praise and thank God the Holy Spirit who has worked this faith in your hearts, who has set you on the path of eternal life through faith in Jesus as your Savior. Let's go back to our text. We read at the beginning of, of this section, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen, living in luxury every day. A beggar named Lazarus had been laid at his gate. Lazarus was covered with sores and longed to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Besides this, dogs also came and licked his sores. That's quite a contrast, isn't it, between those two men. As we look at these verses and, and then look around us in, in the world around us today, we may wonder, why? Why does God allow differences like these to exist? Extreme poverty and suffering while others are extremely wealthy, with, seemingly without a care in the world? Why do some people have so much while others can barely make ends meet? Why am I always the one who seems to get sick when my siblings or my classmates never seem to get sick at all? Why does God allow these things to happen? Why? Why? We see that the life of Lazarus was not at all easy on earth, but he knew that he was a child of God, and that's what made all the difference for him. God never promised him an easy life, and God has never promised you or me an easy life. And confirmands and, and most of the rest of us, we are old enough now and experienced in life enough to know that that is true. But God has promised to be with us 
and to give us enough strength to meet the challenges of each day. In the book of Isaiah, we see the beautiful words that certainly must have given comfort to Lazarus in his dire situation. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10 says, God is speaking, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be overwhelmed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And our text goes on in verse 22. Eventually, the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In hell, where he was in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus at his side. He called out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, because I am in misery in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in misery. Besides all this, a great chasm has been set in place between us and you, so that those who want to cross from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. Now, reading this section, we're reminded of the Bible passage that says so clearly, Matthew chapter 16, what will it benefit a person if he gains the whole world but forfeits his soul? Or what can a person give in exchange for his soul? We also remember the parable that Jesus told about the rich fool in Luke chapter 12. A, a farmer who had such a good harvest that he didn't have room enough in, in his barns to store all of the crops that he got from that harvest. So he made a plan. He decided that he would tear down all his old barns and build new and bigger ones to store all his newly harvested grain and his goods. Now, of course, we know that that's not necessarily sinful. It's part of doing business, which is not necessarily sinful. However, the rest of the parable that Jesus tells reveals to us that the motivation of this man in this case was sinful because he had replaced love and trust in God with love and trust in money and possessions. So we see that the man said to himself, Soul, you have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this night your soul will be demanded from you. Now who will get what you have prepared? And Jesus concludes that parable by saying, That is how it will be for anyone who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Sometimes people despair when the false gods that they have worshipped, money, possessions, pleasure, whatever else it might be, when those false gods fail them, and then suddenly and unexpectedly, they lose everything that their lives have been focused on and consumed with. They put all their trust in the altar of this false god. But that false god had not proven faithful. This was the kind of god that the rich man in our text worshipped. But he learned tragically too late that this god is a false god. 
some people today don't believe in hell. Even among people who call themselves Christian, more and more, sadly, there are people who don't believe that hell exists. Or they, they don't believe that God will ever send anyone to hell because God is too loving to do that. But we know from the Bible that hell is all too real. And God has warned people that he will send people to hell who persist in unbelief and sin. In our world today, where there is so much rejection of God's will and of his truth, we need to be reminded of this reality probably more often than we usually are. And certainly we see that the rich man in our text would agree with that assertion. The rich man calling out to Abraham in heaven from his suffering in hell said, And I beg you, Father, send him, Lazarus, to my father's home, because I have five brothers to warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. Abraham replied to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Abraham is saying that that rich man's brothers, five brothers still living on earth, they had they had the word of God in the books of the Old Testament, which he refers to as Moses and the prophets. Our confirmands know that Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, and the other 34 books of the Old Testament were written in, in, in general by the prophets. So Abraham is saying that they have God's word already. They have the understanding of God's promise of a Savior who would rescue the whole world from their sins. But tragically, they did not believe that promise. And so, just like their rich brother, they were on that same path to hell because their sins remained on them through their unbelief and their rejection of God's salvation. Sadly, it was too late already for that rich man who had died and gone to hell. But it was not yet too late for the brothers of that rich man who were still living. They still had time to hear the message of the Savior and to believe it, and through faith in God's promised Savior, to have eternal life in heaven. How about you here today? What do you put your ultimate trust in? In the things of this world, as that rich man did, or in God? and his promises, as poor Lazarus did. Again in verse 22, the beggar died, and the angel carried him to Abraham's side, to heaven. Lazarus may not have had much of a, a life as far as the things of this world go, but he had everything that was truly important, faith and trust in God and God's promised Savior. He could say, as the Apostle Paul did in Romans chapter 8, I conclude that our sufferings at the present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. Lazarus knew the way to heaven. Jesus had said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
The rich man trusted in his money instead of in God. And so he went to hell after he died. Lazarus trusted in God's promised Savior from sin, Jesus, whose blood was shed on the cross for the sins of the world. And so Lazarus received the crown of life. Faith is total confidence and trust in God's promises, no matter what. Trust that God will not fail us, that he will bring us safely home to his side in heaven. Just like Job in the Old Testament, the the promise of resurrection and eternal life is also what enabled Lazarus to bear his cross of suffering during his earthly life. If you remember about what the Bible says about Job, who lived hundreds or perhaps even thousands of years before the time of Jesus, yet Job had firm confidence in God's promise of the resurrection. And so Job spoke words of confidence in that promise that became the foundation of our cherished Easter hymn, I know that my Redeemer lives. He said, I know that my Redeemer lives, and that at the end of time he will stand over the dust. Then, even after my skin has been destroyed, nevertheless, in my own flesh, I will see God. I myself will see him. My own eyes will see him, and not a stranger. Even though Lazarus in our story lived and died before the time of Jesus' resurrection, he had this same confidence that Job had, confidence in the resurrection from the dead. It was that same confidence in the resurrection from the dead that enabled the Christians of the early church to have firm trust in God, even in the face of torture and execution, because of their faith. They had that confidence because Jesus lives because Jesus has risen from the dead. It's this same confidence in the resurrection of the dead that has sustained Christians throughout all ages of the history of this world through times of great trial and difficulty because Jesus lives. And it is this same confidence that sustains you and me today and for the rest of our lives. Jesus lives. Lazarus may not have known worldly wealth or good health, but he knew his Savior. He knew that God never promises to make us rich. He never promised to make us famous or popular or good-looking or smart or athletic. But he did promise to send a Savior. And this Savior, Jesus, promised that he will never leave us. God, our Heavenly Father, loves us so much that he was willing to send his only begotten Son to suffer the agony of the cross in order to save our souls and our bodies. And he is certainly not going to forsake us. Jesus bought us with his holy, precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death. He has forgiven all of our sins. He has cleansed and healed our souls. We are alive as new creations through Jesus. I am his forever. He has gone ahead of me to heaven to prepare a place for me and for all of us, and he has promised that he will come back and take us to be there with him in heaven. 
And so we can also say, together with the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8, I conclude that our sufferings at the present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be, to be revealed to us. Your confirmands, this is the faith of your baptism. This is the faith that today you are being confirmed in. This is the faith that is founded on Jesus and his saving work for us. And we are confident that through God's word and through his sacraments, he will keep you faithful unto death, and he will give you the crown of life. Amen.